Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you and we praise you, Lord, again for just the opportunity we have to gather in your name. We thank you, Lord, that you are our teacher. And I just thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you that, Lord, we don't have to try to figure out what the answers are, but, Lord, you've written them down for us. And, Lord, you so desire that we would just open up your word and you would minister to our hearts. So, Lord, we pray again that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, that you would be glorified, that our lives would be impacted. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. And lastly, if you need a Bible, there's some Bibles over there in the box. I'm sorry. Okay, well, real, a quick, by way of quick review, in Mark chapter 6, we saw that it was really all about unbelief and rejection. And it's amazing to me that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the Alpha and the Omega, the creator of the universe, came to earth, and he was greatly rejected. Most people that heard Jesus teach rejected him. Most people who saw the miracles that Jesus performed rejected him. So, it's, so sometimes we get upset and bummed out because we share our faith at work and people reject us, but understand they rejected Jesus Christ himself. And that we should be faithful, realizing that it's His work, it's the work of the Holy Spirit that brings people to Christ. We saw that He was rejected in His own home, by his, in His own country, and by His own family. His own brothers and sisters rejected Him. We also see that Jesus sent out the twelve, He sent them to different cities, and He went into these cities, and when they got there, they, had to, they, were, they went out powered by the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit lived inside of them. They were commissioned by God. God is the one that had sent them out. They went out fully relying upon God. The only thing they had to wear was the clothes on their back. They didn't have any money at all. They were totally trusting in God. They're walking in total obedience. And guess what? Most people rejected them. Then we see the opposition of the king, King Herod. And we know that John the Baptist, the story where he went up and he told the king that he was living an adulterous relationship. And because of that, Herodias uh, had, her, had him beheaded. So John the Baptist was beheaded because he spoke the truth. I would say that's opposition. Amen? We see the unbelief of those closest to him last week, the disciples themselves. The first thing that happened was they went out and there were 5,000 people who followed him and pressed in on him. And as they pressed in on him, they looked around and they thought, you know, Lord, we've been ministering to these people all day. They're kind of getting on our nerves. Why don't you just send them away? And I shared last week that sometimes people look at ministry and say, oh, ministry would be great if you could just get all the people out of the way. You've got to realize that people are the ministry. And because of that, what happened was that, that they said, well, Lord, what are we going to do? You know, and they had no faith. They didn't trust God. They'd seen Him heal the leper. They'd seen Him do miraculous and mighty things. They didn't trust God. And we see that the Lord fed Him. So we see unbelief even in His apostles due to circumstances. And then lastly, we saw unbelief in the apostles due to a trial. They went out into a storm, and in the midst of the storm, we know that the waves kicked up, and we know that the, most of the apostles were fishermen, so this has to be a pretty heavy-duty storm. And in the midst of this storm, what do they do? They panic. And in the midst of their panic, they, they, they start beating and fighting and trying to make it happen. And, and it says there that the Lord came to them walking on the water, and He would have passed them by. They were so focused on trying to make things happen in their flesh that when the Lord walked right in front of them, they didn't see Him. And the application for us today is that so often we're trying to make things happen in our flesh, in our will, in our own ability, that we're not looking for Jesus Christ in our circumstances. We need to be looking at God. We have people going through difficulties in our church right now, but God is faithful. Amen? So now we've seen all this rejection. And I want to encourage you with something. You know what? We've been here just now a year. And a lot of people are like, well, you know, man, Pastor Dave, I thought when we came there'd be 500 people by now. You know? I mean, because we came from a church with thousands of people and... What happened? Let me tell you what happened. God is in control. Amen? And Santa Cruz, there's hard ground here, but that's okay, because God sent us here. And the book by, Cal by Calvary Chapel Distinct is by Chuck Smith that talks about how in the third year, it's amazing how it says after two years, people want to give up, because things don't move as quickly as they should. These things are moving in this church exactly the way God wants them to. Amen? 
And I, and I'm, I want to tell you something. If you're discouraged, I'm not. I'm excited. And you know what? I'm excited to see there's many people in this room tonight whose lives have been changed and impacted. There are people who come to know Christ. There's a lot of people who are on vacation right now. But God's doing an awesome work, and I'm excited to be here. And I'll tell you right now, unless God writes it on the wall, I'm, till, I'm here until he comes back. So this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. Amen? And, they, and the apostles faced rejection. Jesus Christ faced rejection and unbelief. Guess what? We're going to face rejection and unbelief. But all that does is make me want to say one thing. Charge. Amen? All it does is get me excited because God must be doing something awesome. So, so praise the Lord. God is faithful. So tonight we're going to pick up, we've gone from unbelief, and now I, I titled the message tonight, message tonight, Tradition or Truth? Tradition or Truth? And the reason I titled it that is because we're going to see the difference between following in the traditions of men and following in the truth of God's Word. And it's the same problem that's going on in the church today. A lot of people are following tradition. By way of background, I just want to catch up a little bit on who these people are we're going to be looking at. I want you to know something, that Jesus Christ is God, but He's also the servant, a servant. And in this text, we're going to see a picture of the fact that He's a servant desiring to do the will of the Father. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Only Jesus Christ can save people. Nobody else can. And Jesus wasn't looking to be popular with men, but faithful to the Father. And he's going to face opposition again. And during his ministry upon the earth, he faced opposition from religious leaders, from political leaders, from le- the legal people, the lawyers, and from all the leaders of the day. He faced opposition from all of them. And guess what? We shouldn't be surprised if we face the same thing. Now, some helpful definitions. A scribe. How many of you have ever read the word scribe in the Bible? Wondered who that is. Scribes were the professional expounders of the Old Testament law. They were the ones that sat down and ritualistically wrote out the word of God. They would cleanse themselves every time they wrote down the name of God. So, you know, these guys started out well. Ezra, the Old Testament prophet, was a scribe. He was the founder of the scribes. So we know that they started out well, but guess what? The scribes, by the time the Lord had come, had become hair splitters who were more concerned with the letter of the law than the spirit of the law. They were extremely legalistic. Another group we see tonight is the Pharisees. Sometimes you've heard that word, Pharisees. Who are they? Well, the Pharisees also had a a good beginning. They arose to defend the Jewish way of life against all foreign influences. They were strict legalists. They believed in the Old Testament. They were political nationalists. They wanted to bring the coming kingdom of God here upon the earth. But both of these groups, though they started well, become puffed up with pride. And you know what? They felt like they were the religious leaders. They, they were the kind of people that didn't need a Messiah. They were the ones that said, you know, we've got the law, and we know how to delegate the law, and we're in charge. Some other groups, just real quick, we see that the Sadducees were a wealthy and socially minded group who had no spiritual depth. They rejected all things supernatural. You've also heard of a group called the Herodians. They were political opportunists, opportunists and all their focus was was keeping Herod in as king. Now what happened to these people? They lost sight of God. They were teaching and strictly enforcing the traditions of men, and they were placing a heavy yoke upon men that nobody could withstand. And as diverse as these groups were, like the Sadducees hated the Pharisees. Couldn't stand them. Why? Because the Sadducees didn't believe in anything supernatural, and the Pharisees did. And they didn't like each other. But guess when these guys would get on the same side? When they were opposing Jesus Christ. That's the only time they got on the same side. We see that again in the world today. Groups that seemingly would never come together. So let's take a look, beginning in verse 1, and I just wanted to make sure we understood the context. So then the Pharisees, again, the legalistic people, and some of the scribes came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. Verse 2. Now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found 
fault. Now, why did these Jews come out to Jesus to begin with? Now, there were some Jews, some of you know the story in John chapter 3 by, of a man by the name of Nicodemus. It says he came to Jesus by night because he desired to know the truth. He was seeking wisdom. Is that why these Jews are coming out? The answer is no. They want to find fault. They're following Jesus around with their hair splitter mentality, waiting for him to do something wrong. Just looking to find his apostles outside of what they say is the law. And the scribes and the Pharisees don't seek godly wisdom, but to bring accusation. And they're following him from place to place, waiting to criticize. Verse 3. For the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands in a special way, holding to the tradition of the elders. Now, tradition is things that the Pharisees and the scribes and some of these religious leaders placed on top of the Word of God. They took the Word of God and they added a bunch of stuff to it and said, you know, not only do you need to keep the Word of God, but you need to teach the rabbinical teaching of our forefathers. You need to, you need to follow all these other rules that we come up with. And I, when I tell you in just a minute how ludicrous some of these rules were, you're going to realize how far away they've got from the kingdom of God. But you're also, if you're paying attention, you're going to see some application for some of the churches that are around today. They've gotten so far away from God's Word, they're caught up in tradition, they're caught up in all these new rules and regulation, they've denominationalized themselves right away from the kingdom of God. They're so far away from the truth now. I'm going to talk about some of that in a few minutes. So why don't your disciples follow the hand-washing tradition of the elders? Do they come seeking wisdom? Are they saying, tell me, Jesus, you're, you're healing people, you're touching the leper, you're making the blind man see, you're raising people from the dead, you know, who are you? Tell us more about who you are. Instead, they're saying, how come you guys don't wash your hands? How come you don't wash your hands in the ritualistic way? Let me tell you about this hand washing in just a minute. So when they came to Jesus, they came to complain and make accusations. Let me ask you a question. When you come to Jesus Christ, or when you came to church tonight, were you looking to complain and make accusations against God? Were you asking God, how, you know, Lord, how come you haven't taken care of that part of my life yet? Are you making accusations? We can all fall into that trap. Are you coming seeking godly wisdom? Believe me, as the pastor, you guys don't see this, but I get put in a corner all the time and people are blasting me for what I am or am not doing. You know, oh, you need to do more of this, you need to do more of that, you need to do more of this, you need to do more of that. And you know what we need to do more of? Preach Jesus Christ, Him crucified and risen from the dead. That's what we need to do more of. Amen? And, and, and no compromise. And you know what? Not, not trying to be popular with men, but be faithful to God. That's what Jesus did. And so it says, you don't, you don't uphold the traditions. And the Jews rightly taught that the law had come from Mount Sinai, but they added on with their oral traditions. And the Jews eventually got so caught up in oral tradition that was not backed up by Scripture that they said that the words of the elders went above the Word of God. Does that sound familiar? A lot of churches out there today, well, our father said, well, we got a pamphlet from Brooklyn, and it tells us this, and wait a minute, the Bible says, yeah, but the Brooklyn, you know, that's Jehovah's Witnesses if you don't know, the Brooklyn pamphlet says this, so that takes, that takes supreme theology. What? You know, some of the things that are going on in the church, it's, it's oh, we voted on it, or this happened, and there's no word of God anymore. We've got these traditions now, and we've gotten away from the Word of God. One such oral tradition dealt with the ceremonial washing of hands between each course at every meal. These washings had nothing to do with hygiene. It wasn't about having clean hands. Some of you might say, oh, washing your hands, that sounds pretty good. I mean, you're out in the dirt, you probably should wash your hands. But let me tell you, what it, the rabbis taught that at night, the demon Shibna would often come and sit upon a man's hands as he slept. And if he ate with the hands, the demon would enter through his food and take control of him. Do you find that anywhere in the Bible? No. So what's that? 
a tradition of men, a teaching of men. So to eat without fear of possession, here's what you had to do. I wrote all this down, painstakingly. I just want you to see how ridiculous this is. So you had to hold your hands like this, and you got one and a half eggshells of water. Not two eggshells of water, not one eggshell of water, one and a half eggshells of water. Then you had to hold your hands in a downward position. You had to get some help somehow because you can't pour water on your hands when they're like this. So, so someone would come and pour water on your hands when they were like this. You pressed them together, and then you pulled your hands up, and the water could drip to your wrist no further. If they dripped further than your wrist, that was no good. Only could drip to your wrist. Then you had to flip your hands over, point them downward, another one and a half eggshells of water. Then you had to rub your right fist with your left palm, then your left wrist with your right palm, and you had to do that between every single course of the meal. So as soon as you get done with your salad, right, you know, okay, well, wait a minute, all right, who's got the eggshells, right, and then you go over there and you do, you do this washing ritual. Now, the, the apostles came in with the Lord, and guess what they did? They ate. The Lord prayed, they ate. You guys are, where's the eggshells? What's wrong with you guys, right? The traditions of man, how come you guys don't have the eggshells out? You got, oh man, and they're all over them. Instead of saying, Lord, you're raising people from the dead. They're saying, where's the eggshells? Something's wrong. Traditions of men, rather than following the truth of God and His Word. Jesus and His boys, as I like to call them, didn't honor their tradition and it bugged the scribes to no end. Look at verse 4. When they came from the marketplace, well, they, do, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. It's a table, basically. So let me ask you a question. Traditions of men or the Word of God? And when they came from the marketplace, this is again because of their arrogance. They thought that they were so righteous that if they crossed the path of a Gentile, they had to go be cleansed. Now the Lord did tell us and tell them in the Old Testament to come out and be separate. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. But we're not to walk around with self-righteous piety like we're so great. And if somebody steps into our path that we have, we're defiled. It's ridiculous. Did Jesus do that? He went and he touched the leper, and he touched the prostitute, and he touched the blind man. And these guys are so self-righteous and walking around in their black robes, someone would come into their path, and they had to go ritually cleanse themselves. They were caught up in themselves. Good remi- reminder that degenerated into an empty ritual of self-righteous pride, the reminder to be set apart. And the word washing here, I think it's interesting. It says, why, it says verse 4, like washing of cups, that word is baptism. So they were baptizing their cups, they were baptizing their tables, their pots, their religious objects. And they weren't doing, it wasn't about hygiene again. It was all about, ooh, it's a tradition. Get the eggshells out. Baptize the cups. Do the, you know, and right at the same time, the son of the living God sitting at the table with them. And what are they doing? They're, they're washing their cups. They're missing the Messiah. They're caught up in tradition. You know, so involved with the rituals of religion, they forgot the whole purpose. You know, a lot of people don't like the word religion, myself included, for the most part. But do you know what it really means? I've shared this with you before. The word religion, in the original language, means to relink. Religion is relinking man back to God. In that context, I love that word. Amen? But when it comes to the self-pious religiosity, you know, people don't like religion. Because it's man's attempt to somehow reach God. Verse 5. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? I think if I had a chance to ask Jesus a question, this would probably be real low on the list. How about you? <laughs> Son of the living God. Hey, ask him about the eggshells, okay? Oh, yeah, that's a, oh, that's a good one. Let's ask him about that. I mean, no way. I'd be asking, I got some other questions, right? Amen? And they're asking about, why don't they wash their hands? They accused Jesus. Their actions were a challenge to God, the creator of the universe, thought they knew better than God. Doesn't that sound like the world? 
There are people today who think they know better than God. Well, if I were God, I wouldn't have a hell. That doesn't seem right to me. Well, you're, you're not God, right? Okay, well, right? People, if I were God, I would take care of this problem. If I were God, I would do this. I'm glad they're not God, amen? God is a God of grace and mercy and love and forgiveness. And he's, He is faithful and He is just and He is holy and He is true. And you know what? Our God will never send anybody to hell. Men send themselves by rejecting Him over and over and over and over and over and over. And you know what? God's, God will go the ex, next step and the next step and the next step. Amen? And you know what? So that's our God. And so they thought they knew better than God. The traditions of men or the truth of God's Word? That's the question. Verse 6. Now, let's watch how Jesus responds to the hypocrites. Now, to the Pharisees. It's interesting to me. Now, listen to this. Whenever you see Jesus talking to men who consider themselves righteous, you see the Lord come out guns blazing in a sense, right? He comes out and he's very direct and he's very hard on them. He doesn't pull any punches, he tells them the truth. But then you see people who are broken and hurting and weeping, who know they are sinners, and Jesus responds to them with a loving touch. It's only those who are self-righteous and arrogant and think they don't need God that face the wrath of God. It's those who are broken and hurting and realize they need a Savior who God touches in love. Amen? Now let's see how he responds. Look at verse 6. Why, he answered and said to them, Why did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written? That's a pretty direct word. Hypocrites. The word hypocrite means to be an actor, to put on a mask, to pretend to be something that you're really not. The Lord, you know, the Bible says man looks on the outward appearance and God looks on the heart. The world looked on the outward appearance and think the Pharisees were pretty awesome guys. The Lord saw right past their, their black robes and all their, you know, their phylacteries and all the other religious garb that they wore. And he saw their hearts and he knew their motives. And he said, you bunch of hypocrites. The, the people, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You give me honor with the words that you speak, but your heart is the real key. Again, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. You know what, guys? We can come to church 50 times a week. We can pray all the prayers we want to. We can have every version of the Bible at home. We can watch every Jesus movie. We can do all that stuff. We can listen to Christian music. Talked about it a few weeks ago. You, you can be a Christian poser, right? You can be a wannabe. You can have the stickers on your car. You can have the Christian fishing. You can have the doves. And do, you wear a dove shirt like mine. You can do all that kind of stuff. But the reality is, is what's in your heart is really matters. When you stand before God, you're not taking your bumper stickers with you. Amen? You're not taking it. You're going to stand before God and He's going to look on your heart. And He saw their heart and He said, You know what? You speak with words, but your hearts are far from me. Your hearts are not near me. But before we judge the Pharisees too harshly, what about us? Look at this. It says, And in vain they worship me. And I wrote down some titles of some songs that we sing at church all the time. And if, we've got to be careful because one of our traditions can be that we can start singing praise songs and we're just mouthing a bunch of words. It doesn't mean anything. Can't you do that? People can start just singing a song and, uh, and it just, it's droning on. We sing, I surrender all. But then we hold tightly to our stuff and deny God's calling upon our lives. I, it should be, I surrender some, right? I mean, because we don't want to surrender all half the time. I surrender all, but don't touch my stuff, Lord, whatever you do, right? I surrender all, but you know, I ain't moving. Whatever, you know, I, don't I surrender all, but don't call me into any kind of ministry, whatever you do. We hold tightly on the stuff after saying, I surrender all. We say better is one day in your house than we blow off church to go shopping, fishing, the movies, or a football game, right? <laughs> better is one day in your house. That's the 49ers drive home game, then I'm there, right? I mean, there's hypocrisy in our words. In vain we worship Him. We say, Lord, I lift your name on high. Then we don't make a stand for Him when others deny and curse His name, right? Lord, I lift your name on high unless somebody next to me is saying something because I'm not going to speak out then, right? Lord, I lift your name on high means I'm not ashamed of you, Amen? 
Lord, I lift your name on high. Let's lift up his name on high when we step out of the building. Holiness, holiness is what I long for. Then we entertain ourselves with the very sins Christ died for. We go watch movies where people curse his name, take God's money, spend God's money to watch people curse him. Holiness, holiness, what I long for, unless it's a good action movie down at the Cineplex, right? I mean, we say, we say one thing, we live another way. So we, we worship in vain. That's what it says right there. We cry out this stuff and we don't mean it from our hearts. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. We need, to be, we need to have our hearts be changed. Our lives be touched. Jesus said, this is the problem. People draw near to me with their traditions and songs, with their lips and their words, but their hearts are far from me. The issue is the heart. Romans 10.10 says, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It says in God's Word, Out of the overflowing of a man's heart his mouth speaks. It says in Matthew 22, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. 2 Corinthians 9.7 says, Every man according to the purpose in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So the issue is not what you look like on the outside. It's not how pious you think you are. It's not how religious you think you are. It's what's on your heart that really matters. So if the issue is a heart, we've got a problem because here's what it says in Jeremiah 17.9. It declares that the heart is deceitful above all things, wicked, desperately wicked, and who can know it? Wait a minute. If the heart's the issue and my heart is wicked, I've got a problem. Yes, you do. Amen? And so do I. Amen? We have a problem. It's a heart issue. And Jesus said the issue is the heart. And Jeremiah wrote that the heart is wicked. So what's the solution? David gave us the answer. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119.11 If you're struggling and your heart's a mess, guess what needs to be in your heart? The word of God. Not the traditions of men. The word of God. Amen? It's not about the traditions of men. It's about the word of God. How is the heart cleansed? By the word. Who is the word, by the way? Jesus Christ is the Word. So how is the heart truly cleansed? By the Word, Jesus Christ. How do we keep from the sin of traditionalism? By standing on the Word of God alone. Man's opinions, man's experiences, man's wisdom mean absolutely nothing if they are not founded upon the Word of God. When you want direction for life, read the book, don't wait for the movie. Amen? Crack open the Bible. God wants to speak to us. And sometimes we sit there with our Bible on our shelf and we're crying out, we're seeking counsel. I had a Christian lady just tell me the other day, you know, quoting Rosie O'Donnell to me. Well, Rosie O'Donnell says, Rosie O'Donnell? What? Rosie O'Donnell says, who cares? Walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, amen? Rosie O'Donnell needs Jesus, right? Well, Rosie O'Donnell to me, you've got to be kidding me. You know, I'm, oh, I read a magazine, she talks about, what? stop. We need Jesus, amen? We need to seek counsel in the Word of God. And you know what else? There's too much worldly wisdom in the church today. You know, people will call in a consultant to make their church grow. What do you think we ought to do? Oh, you've got to market effectively. You've got to send out direct mail pieces. You've got you to reach the upper middle class because they can tithe the most. And you've got to do that. And, you gotta... and these guys aren't even saved. I hear people that pay their worship team money and these guys don't know Jesus. They're up there leading worship. What's up with that? Worldly wisdom. Traditions of men. Trying to reach the world from worldly standards instead of just trusting God. Amen? Let's trust God. Let's teach God's Word. I'd rather preach the Word of God without compromise to two people than have a wimpy, watered-down gospel to 2,000. Amen? Let's preach God's Word. Let's not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What you want Him with is what you want Him to. And in vain they worship Me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. They make the commandments of men the truth. Oh, well, man says... God, well, Jesus made it clear in the Sermon on the Mount that true holiness is a manner, to, a manner of inward affection and an attitude, not just outward actions and association. 
The religious leaders had a false concept of sin and holiness. Holiness is not an outward keeping of rules and rituals, but the inward death to self and being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, producing righteous fruit. Amen? It's not keeping a bunch of rules. Oh, he's righteous. He keeps rules. He never swears. He's righteous. That's not it. It's not your outward things that you do. It's an inward change of heart. Human nature is prone to hold on to man-made traditions through creating its own sense of sin and holiness while all along ignoring or knowingly disobeying the Word of God. Let me give you an example. I'm not picking on anybody, but it's happening right now, and I read it again in the paper yesterday. There are three denominations right now, and I'm not picking on denominations, okay? Praise the Lord. I got saved in a denominational church, so praise God. Okay, I'm not picking on them, but here's what happens. There are three denominations right now that are having meetings together to decide whether or not homosexuals should be pastors. Now, how in the world does that happen? Let me tell you how it happens. Traditions of men changing what holiness means instead of following the Word of God. How can you read the Bible and do that? I'll tell you how. Because, oh, we got a quorum. We got this. We got, oh, we got to have all this stuff together. We, you know, that's noise. What does the Bible say? Read the book of Romans. Read the book of Leviticus. It's very, now, we hate the sin and we love the sinner. Amen? Do we love homosexuals? Yes. Did Jesus die on the cross for homosexuals? Absolutely. Should, you know what? I'll tell you right now. There will never, ever, 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 ever be a homosexual speaking up here. Do you understand? Why? Because they need to be born again. Just like there won't be an adulterer. There won't be a, people need to be born again. Amen? Fill with the Spirit of living God. And you know what happens is? We get politically correct. But let me tell you something. Two plus two does not equal five. It never equals five. Amen? And the truth is all the truth all the time. And you read the Bible and the Bible says and that's it. And it, it blows me away. And people, oh, well, they got, well, all the gays and lesbians in this group are getting together and they're voting on the, voting? You see voting in the Bible? You see how apostles, hey, Lord, sit down for a second. We're going to have a vote. We'll let you know what we're going to do. That doesn't happen. Amen? Who's the head of the church? Jesus Christ. Nobody else. And again, I, 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 if you come from one of these denominations, I'm not picking on you, I promise. I'm just saying we need to be careful. Take heed lest we fall. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold tradition of men. Verse 8, the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. He said to them, all too well, you reject the commandment of God that you may keep the tradition. You know what? For you to keep these kinds of tradition, you've got to dismiss the Bible. You've got to say the Bible isn't true. And you know what? Here's what happens. Let me tell you what happens. Every single time I see something like this happen, whenever they're interviewed or they talk to them, they always rip the Bible. Oh, well, only Paul said that. And you know, Paul was kind of confused. So we're just going to have to dismiss it. Paul was confused? No, I don't think so. You know, only, you know, Jesus said it, but we know more about the Bible than Jesus did. I read that quote in the newspaper. We know more about the Bible than Jesus. What? Man, I want to go preach at that church next Sunday. What's up? You know more about the Bible than Jesus is the Word. You don't get it. And what happens is, this is happening all around us, you guys. And take heed lest we fall. I'm telling you this so that we don't fall into traditions. We don't just become this vain rote, a bunch of sheep, come to church, go home, right? We just get fed, get fed, get fed, and we don't have an impact on the world. That's what's happening with these guys. They got their eyes off of God. Verse 10, for Moses said, honor your mother and your father. So now he's going to give them an example. He's going to say, you guys read the Bible, but you don't honor it. You don't get it. You're a bunch of hypocrites. You're more about tradition than you are the word of God. Oh, by the way, here's another example. Verse 10, for Moses said, honor your mother and your father. And he who curses his father or mother, let him be put to death. That's a pretty heavy, heavy duty sentence. What do you think? If you curse your mom or dad, you're dead. Can you imagine if they still did that today? There'd be no kids. 
be no kids. We wouldn't be here. There'd be nobody, right? Talk back to mom and dad. They take you out of the gate and stone you. Well, there might be some kids. Cause I bet kids walk around like this all the time. One of your friends gets stoned to death at the gate. That might get your attention. But what happened? It says, honor your mother and father. Or if you don't, the cursing is going to be death. And Jesus is going to give them a clear example. He points to the clear message of honoring your mother and father. He quotes Moses. He quotes the Old Testament. And again, notice that when Jesus is dealing with self-righteous, he points to their sin. But when he comes in contact with those who are hurting, he shows them love and grace. Now look what it says in verse 11. But you say, now look at this tradition. This is pretty sweet. If a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corbin, that is a gift of God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Now here's a pretty sweet tradition they came up with, one of the fathers came up with. They said, if you have something in your house and you want to dedicate, dedicate it to God, you just say Corbin. Corbin means dedicated. Okay, my big screen TV, my 60-inch big screen TV with the surround sound, dedicated. Now that doesn't mean you give it to God, it's still in your house. And you say, oh, that's God's TV, and you go sit and watch it every day. Now what happens is, oh, yeah, that $100,000 in my bank account, Corbin, that belongs to God. Now your mom and dad are starving. They have no food to eat, and you say, mom and dad, I'd love to help you out, but everything in my house has been dedicated to God, I can't touch it. That's exactly what they did. They said, Corbin, dedicated. Now the Lord says, you hypocrites. The Bible says, honor your mother and father, and you're trying to use, what they did is they tried to use an oath at Leviticus to say, look, this oath says this, so if we make an oath before God, then we can hang on to our stuff. And people will take the Bible and try to make it mean stuff it doesn't mean that feeds their flesh. Do you think God's fooled? Do you think God's fooled when people do that kind of stuff? There are people that think they're getting away with, oh, got one over on God right there. Oh, look at that in the Bible. We can use that out of context. And that's exactly what happens. That's why we don't preach one theme. One, we preach the whole counsel of God. If you go to a church and they're preaching one thing all the time, leave. Why? Because that's not teaching the whole counsel of God. That's the biggest problem with, you know, it's Word of Faith movement. Every week it's name it and claim it, the name of Jesus, and, well, you know, Cadillac, Cadillac, Cadillac. There'll be one in your driveway, right? Where's that? That's not a Bible. But what happens is they preach it every single week. People, oh, yeah. They'll take verses out of context, name it, believe it. Oh, yeah, that says right there. If I believe it and name it in the name of God, then I'll get it. No, that's out of context. But they don't know it's out of context and they don't teach the Bible. And that's exactly, these guys have taken the Word of God and twisted it to benefit themselves. You see these guys on TV all the time. Seed giving. You know, send me a thousand dollars. Seed giving. Just plant your seed in the vineyard and God will bless you richly, right? I want to call those guys up. Why don't you plant a seed at my house? Why don't you send some of your money to me, right? If you're into seed giving, give me some seed, okay? Do <laughs> you ever hear them go, oh, by the way, it's our month to give seed. Everybody who calls in the next half hour is going to get a thousand dollars. They don't do that. It's always coming one way. You ever notice that? Plant your seeds at my house, right? The guy goes and gets his $300,000 car, drives to his $10 million mansion. What's up with that? Why? They're taking the Word of God and twisting it for their own benefit. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. That's what the Bible says. So these guys had missed it, and God and Jesus just blasted them. Verse 13, making the Word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things do. Of no effect. They took the authority out of the Word of God. Now let me, I wrote down some of today's traditions. These are things that just came to my mind today when I was studying. Some of today's traditions. And I, you know what? I'm just going to be direct, all right? I, I guess that won't surprise you. But <laughs> How about confessionals? People go into a confessional, get down on a knee, tell some man what their sins are. The guy tells them, go pray 50 Hail Marys or whatever it is, and then you'll be forgiven. Do you see that anywhere in the Bible? No. no. That, what is that? It's a tradition of men. The Bible says, confess your man to who? 
your Father in heaven. The Bible says, call no man Father, save your Father in heaven. What do they call the guy in the box? Father. Is he a father? No, no he's not my father. My father's in heaven, amen? But that's a tradition of men. And you know what happens is, because of people's biblical illiteracy, they just follow the tradition. Oh, okay, that's, oh, that's what we're supposed to do. And then they go do it. Now, my heart breaks for them. I'm not being self-righteous. My heart breaks. My heart breaks when somebody goes into a box and prays, Hell, Mary, Hell, full of grace. But the Bible says pray no repetitive prayer, by the way, too. So everything that happens in that situation is no bueno, every bit of it, right? So call them in fathers. You're going to say, Father. Confess your sins only Father. Okay, and then you confess them to some man. And then it says, don't pray repetitive prayer. So you pray repetitive prayer. And then you go, well, I don't understand why things aren't working. It's all tradition. What about the tradition of congregational rule? I grew up with this, so I know. This is where everybody votes on what we should do. We were talking about it earlier. So the guy could be drunk and cheating on his wife and sit in the back room. I think we ought to get a new pastor, right? I mean, you can do that. That's congregational rule. Everybody votes. You know what? The kingdom of God is not a democracy. Amen? Aren't you glad they're not voting on who goes to heaven? That, would, that wouldn't be good. I don't, want to, I don't want that. I'm glad that God's grace paid the price and I'm going. There might be some people, that Dave guy gets on my nerves. Hell for him, hell, right? I, you know, I don't want that. Congregational rule. Determining doctrinal positions based on popular vote rather than the Word of God. I think we ought to believe, um, yeah, you can lose your salvation. Well, I think so. Okay, everybody raise your hand. Okay, that's what we believe now. Read the Bible. What does the Bible say? We've gotten so far away from the Word of God. What about sermonettes for Christianettes? What I mean by that is preaching to people's felt needs. We, you know, we've got to have a 15-minute message. We've got to get people in and out. They've got to make it to brunch on Sunday, right? And we don't want to take up too much of their time. We've got to make high, you know, get, get, get some PowerPoint up on the wall. and Let's make it high-tech. And you know what? Let's just get them in and out. And they'll be, oh, it'll be great. Don't ever talk about sin. That might bum somebody out, okay? Let's just tell them how great and how wonderful they are. And then they'll tithe. And we'll, we can get a bigger building. And then we can have more sermonettes for more Christianettes, right? That's a tradition. That's what's happening all around us, you guys. And you know what? We can build a big church that way, but that's not the kind of church you want to build. What about trusting our spiritual growth upon being fed by other men than opening the Bible ourselves? That's a rut we've gotten into as a church. Amen? Oh, well, it's Sunday. All right, I get to go eat. Haven't eaten in a week? I'll be good. I'm starving, right? I mean, wait a minute. We, the Bible says we desire the Word of God more than our necessary food. You don't eat at home once a week. I know that because you'd be a lot skinnier, all of you, okay? <laughs> so you're eating more than once a week. I'm eating more, I'm, yeah, I'm okay. I gotta, you know. But the point is, we desire the Word of God more than our necessary food. And yet we'll wait, and we'll wait for others to feed us. We think of the church as a building. That's another tradition. Oh, I'm going to church. I've said that myself. I'm going to church. Well, is this the church? This is the vet's hall. This isn't the church. What's the church? We are, amen? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. And we make this right. Well, I'm going to church, relying on, what about relying on church father's word? I've heard, I've done it myself. We quote some other man. Well, Charles Spurgeon said, or A.W., you know, this person said, or that person. And again, it's not wrong to quote those guys, but you better know what the word of God says. Amen? We can fall into the trap of following Luther, or following, you know, Calvin, or following Spurgeon, or following Chuck Smith. Or, we don't follow men, we follow Jesus. Amen? All those men are fallible. You know, don't tell me what some man says, tell me what the Bible says. Now that being said, A.W. Tozier says, <laughs> this is a quote by A.W. Tozier, but I think it's interesting. And again, I, I think it's a, it's a spiritual truth. But again, we don't trust, we don't teach A.W. Tozier. We teach Jesus Christ, His Word, amen? But here's what he said, and I think this is true. If the Holy Spirit was removed from the church in the book of Acts, 95% of everything they did would change and everybody would notice. 
If the Holy Spirit was removed from the church today, 95% of everything they did would stay the same and no one would notice. It's pretty much an indictment, isn't it? But the reality is that the church in the book of Acts had no buildings. You know that? Did you know the church in the book of Acts had no buildings? No buildings. They met in homes. Church in the book of Acts, no money. No political influence. But they turned the world upside down. How did they do it? They had the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's what they had. The power of the Holy Spirit. But yet, what? Well, 95% of churches, we just go to church. Oh, the Holy Spirit wasn't there. I didn't even notice. Because we had the high point, you know, we had the high tech thing going. And we, we went, my surrender all, I surrender some, right? We went and sang our songs. We went home. Nothing changed. Holy Spirit didn't meet us there. And that's exactly what can happen today. Man's tradition or the truth of God's word. It's a choice we have to make. Verse 14. We're almost done. When he had called all the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear me, everyone, and understand. There is nothing that enters a man from the outside which can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. Jesus announces to the whole crowd that the source of holy living is from within, not from without. It's not the rituals. It's not the things we do. And basically here, he's also declaring null and void the separation between the Jews and the Gentiles. Okay, I'm going I'm to go a little more in depth in that in just a second. But he's going to break down that dividing line. Now the religious leaders self-righteously sought to put other people into bondage and to elevate themselves above men. But Jesus, with this statement, was breaking down the wall between the Jews and the Gentiles. Salvation, you guys, has always been inside out. Amen? It's never outside in. It's inside out. Now, what do you mean by that? It's not, you know, I'll quit drinking. I'll quit smoking. I'll quit losing my temper. I'll quit lusting in my heart. I'll quit lying, cheating, stealing, being depressed, coveting my neighbor's possessions, being proud, and then I'll accept God. Right? I hear people tell me all the time, you know, as soon as I quit doing this, then I'll come to church. As soon as I quit doing this, then I'll trust in God. Well, guess what? You can't do it. The law is a taskmaster, a schoolmaster that drives people to the cross. When you see the law, all it shows you is that you need a Savior. It shows you that you need to be born again, and it has to happen from the inside out. It's because of my sin. The Holy Spirit has revealed to me my need for a Savior. Romans 10.9 says, If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved to the glory of your Father. It doesn't say, if you believe and do a bunch of good stuff, and keep all the rules and rituals, then when you get to heaven, God will grade on a curve, and if you're in the top half, you go. Aren't you glad it doesn't say that? Amen? Aren't you glad God doesn't grade on a curve? A lot of people think He does, but we know that He grades on the cross. Amen? Not on the curve, He grades on the cross. He paid the price for us, the price has been paid. So look at this though. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. So it's inside out. It's not the things on the outside that defile him. It's not the food that he eats. And again, the Jews and the Gentiles were divided because of the foods that they ate. Remember later when Peter, Peter's the one that we see from Matthew asks this question. He says to the Lord, Lord, what does this mean? Look at, look at the next verse. When he had entered a house, verse 17, the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. Now, from Matthew 15, we know the person asking the question was Peter. Lord, what do you mean you can't defile yourself from the outside? I think it's interesting that Peter asked the question. You know why? Because in Acts chapter 10, guess what happens? Acts chapter 10, when the Lord is getting ready to send Peter out to minister to the Gentiles, you know what he does? He says, he has Peter go out, he's standing up on a rooftop, a sheet comes down from heaven, and all the animals are on it, and the Lord says to Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And he says something you should never say, not so, Lord. First of all, you can't say not so and Lord, that doesn't make any sense. It's always yes, Lord. He's either the Lord of all or not Lord at all, Amen. So he says, not so, Lord. And the Lord said, look, what I have called clean, you don't call unclean. Amen? 
And so what was he saying there? He was saying everything that is here, the, the, the food of the Gentiles, I'm preparing your heart that you can go and minister to them because the gospel is now good for them too. And it's the same thing that's happening here. So it's interesting to me that Peter asked the question and then, and then the Lord rolls the sheet out to him later. I just love how the Bible always fits. The Bible rocks. Oh, it's just a book written by men. Oh, it's full of contradictions. Show me one. Amen? Everything else changes. Bible never changes. People's opinions change. Scientific theory changes every single day. They keep having to add time. We, oh, it's got to be 50 billion years now because it couldn't happen. It couldn't happen in, in a trillion years. Lightning did not hit a puddle and an amoeba crawl out and start scratch a freckle and grow an arm, start flying around and became you one day. Tell me it didn't take faith to believe that garbage, amen? But they teach our kids that stuff every day. Cro-Magnon man, there's no Cro-Magnon man. It's, it's garbage. It's a lie. So the reality is that we need to trust God. And God, if Peter asked the question, he said, rise, kill, and eat. He reveals it to him clearly. Verse 18, we're almost done. So he said to him, are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from the outside cannot defile him? Again, how do you think the Pharisees feel right about this point? They're saying you've got to have eggshells. No, you've got to wash your hands before you eat. And you've got to wash them a certain way. And when we go down to the marketplace, if a Gentile walks across our shadow, we have to go home and be cleansed for 24 hours. And now you're saying we can eat whatever we want? Yeah, that's what he's saying. He's saying, look, I died. I can't, I'm coming for everybody. I'm dying for everybody. I'm paying the price. And it's not because you're so religious and elite. It's because of my death upon the cross. Verse 19, because it does not enter his heart but his stomach and is eliminated, thus purifying all food. So the stuff you eat on the outside doesn't enter your heart. And it's your heart that's the key. Verse 20, and he said, what comes out of a man that defiles a man. Again, out of the overflowing of a man's heart, his mouth speaks. And these are the kinds of things that come out of a man. For from within, out of the heart of a man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. So, basically, the text tonight begins with the Pharisees saying, we've we got to be ritually cleansed before we can touch the food. And we've got to keep all the traditions of men. And the Lord finishes it by saying, you know what? You're all wicked and you need a Savior. It's, it's a hard issue. It's not an issue of you keeping all the rituals. It's not an issue of you keeping all the traditions. It's not an issue of you wearing the right tie to church on Sunday. It's not an issue of how you dress or how you appear to a lost night. It's what's going on with your heart. It's a hard issue. They observe rituals to rid themselves of external uncleanness. And Jesus finishes the text by addressing the root of uncleanness, again, being the heart. So man's traditions, what do they do? In closing... Man's traditions place men under bondage. Did you know that? Trying to keep all the traditions of men, you can't do it. I told you one time, I met a Jewish guy. He saw the Christian fish in my car. I was selling him advertising. I go on his, go on his business. Oh, it's tough to be a Jew. 252 laws you must keep. I'm like, oh, 252 laws? That? How you doing? It was, oh, not very, it's very difficult. I said, it's not difficult. It's impossible. You can't do it. I don't even know what they all are, but I know 10 of them, and you're not keeping those. You got 242 more? Oh, that's no good. I said, but you know what? That shows you a need for a Savior. And traditions put you under bondage. Traditions of men produces outward piety. Look at me. I'm keeping all the traditions. Aren't I wonderful? Come kiss my ring. Right? I've got the robes. I've got the traditions of men. Traditions of men neglects and or replaces the Word of God. That's the only way it could exist. 
The only way the traditions can, can exist, the only way you can have congregational rule, the only way you can do all these things that are contrary to the Word of God, the only way you can vote homosexuals in to be the pastor of your church is by getting outside of God's Word. Amen? The only way you can say, oh, divorce is fine, go for it. Oh, yeah, whatever, you want to sleep with your girlfriend, that's all good. Hey, you want to do drugs, yeah, you can do... You get out of the Word of God and everything's okay. We've got to stay in the Word of God. It has its own definition of sin and holiness. When you just are caught up in the traditions of men, it's all good. Lastly, what does God's truth do? It produces inward faith. The Bible says, He who the Son has set free is free indeed. Amen? These guys are looking for freedom by being pious and perfect. The ultimate freedom is when you realize that Jesus is perfect and He paid the price and now you've been set free. Amen? And you're born again and you're a new creation in Christ and you're going to heaven and it doesn't get any better than that. You know, I've, most of you guys know I still work full-time, and one of the things we say at work when things start to go wrong, I'll, I'll say it all the time, people say it to me too, oh man, this is happening with the pay plan, this is happening, this is happening, we'll say, going to heaven, right? Oh yeah, going to heaven. Perspective, amen? He who the Son sets free is free indeed. True inward holiness comes because you are a new creation, you've been born again, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, and God's truth exalts the Word of God. Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by... The Word of God. So how does our faith grow? We spend time in the Word. I've had people ask me that question. I wish I had more faith. I say, I, I, I know how. You want to have more faith? I, you can have more faith. Really? How do I do that? Do I have to, you know, say Shambhalakai 50 times? Or what do I got to do? You know, watermelon? Water, I have to go out and get some crystals? Or I got to do feng shui and move the, get a water fountain in my cubicle? Or, no! You want to have more faith? Faith comes by the Word of God. Amen? Crack open the Bible. Blow the dust off that thing. Worship team, why don't you guys come on up? Let's close the worship song. So, that, so in closing, the traditions of men or the Word of God. Be careful, because all traditions of men can creep into every single church that's out there. And you know what? You start seeing me fall into traditions, come up and kick me in the stomach or something, okay? But we need to stay constant in the Word of God, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing truly does come from God's Word. Let's pray. up. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And we pray, Lord, that we would never be self-righteous or pious. or Lord, that we would be totally reliant upon you. Realizing, Lord, that we are totally wicked and perverse. That no good thing dwells in us apart from your Holy Spirit coming and changing and transforming us and making us a new creation. And Lord, we so desire that, that Father God, that you would just bring revival to Santa Cruz County. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that it's not by how much money we have or or how, much, how nice our building is, but by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would fall upon this place, that you would be glorified in it. And Lord, that you would transform our lives. Bring divine appointments this week. We might be used for you. And Lord, we, just, we pray that even right now, that we would not worship you in vain. But Lord, we would mean these words from our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's worship.